Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We uh, have saved the show, was hijacked last week by one Matt Bruning. Um, and uh, we do want to thank him for filling in while Colin and I were both on vacation, not together, as the rumors have been suggesting we were not together. Yeah, you would vacation. never let me on your yacht. We we would never vacation together, no. Never. Um, ne- never in a million years. Um, separately planned vacations. Didn't even, didn't even plan to have them the same week, because honestly, I like the peace and quiet on the show when it's when it's me and no Colin, but it's just how it worked out this year. So, but we're both back now. Uh, did you have a good trip, Colin? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good trip. It was a lot of fun. Um, we do every year, my wife, uh, and her family goes to Cape May. So we, uh, ever since we've been dating and now married, I've been going with them. So, uh, for a full week, it's a lot of fun. Um, we weren't huge, like beach goers growing up, like my family, We'd go occasionally, um, but so it's it's just nice to go to the beach. You did that thing again where I didn't ask you uh, for details. I just asked you how it was, and you hit me with details. But that's okay. That's okay. We won't we won't get into that discussion again. Well, I mean, I'm assuming if you ask, you know, I'm going to share some some small details. And then there's where I'm you not going to launch. I'm not going to launch into you know everything that we did and all that I, kind of stuff. We but. we hopped on here tonight and we hadn't um seen each other in you know a week or whatever we had a weekly meeting that you um did not attend on thursday and you no. so you hadn't seen me and you said wow you're really tan which i am i am actually very tan right now mm-hmm. and i said oh you're not tan at all and mm-hmm. colin said look at my arm and his arm is is pasty white as it's always been for anybody who's never seen a picture of colin before <laughs> uh you just don't you just don't tan well is that the takeaway i can i can get from this yeah yeah um i typically burn um so i i've generous i have st- over the past couple of years i've generously started applying sunscreen so i don't get burned yeah that's good good i'm glad i don't want the don't want you to show up uh super red here to the show call and that would be um just terrible just terrible yeah mm-hmm. so. totally yeah thank you for being concerned for me I appreciate it, it wouldn't that. it wouldn't make me laugh at all no, I know. Especially because I, I feel like that. you would show you'd you'd like have like be wearing sunglasses or something, so you would just have like big rings around your eyes where you didn't get any sun. That's I don't know. That's just what I'm picturing. I think that that's what you picture. Quite a bit. Of um, I w- I do wear sunglasses. Yeah. You See, know, I, when, I, when I'm on the beach and it's sunny, so I know, know my co-host. I know yeah, my co-host. I guess if that's what qualifies. All right. Well, we're gonna just get right into the show here. Uh, quite frankly, because that seems to be. Uh, the push here at C2C lately. And as you guys know, we have no well, power here behind the scenes. So, um, well, let's, we, I mean, let's, let's get this out of the way here. Um, you know, Mike seems to be the one who's, who's really pushing the, or making fun of us for our intros. I really, I, you know, I really like their intro though. I'm back to Debbie and I'm sure most of the folks that are listening to this show also listen to back to Debbie because those two shows have very comparable uh, download numbers. We're, we're a little higher. We're a little higher. Yeah, but naturally, but, um, naturally. but, but, you know, I think there's probably a lot of overlap there, but um, mm-hmm. they've really, they've really nailed their, their intro. Yeah. I mean, even when Corey's gone, Mike makes him come back and do the news and the housekeeping 
<laughs> which cracked me up last week. Yeah, uh, I listened. I caught up on so many shows last week while I while I was away. Um, I, I actually ran out of shows to listen to for the first me time too. like forever. Yeah. So it was it was bad. It was yeah. bad. So glad we're back this week. We can we can get some more on the board. Yeah. Um, um, so also last yeah. back to Devi note. I just want to mention. Did you know Mike had a connection to Blake Corum? I love how we've been working with him for how long, and he just casually drops that on the podcast. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah. I think he did mention that before. Actually, mm, I don't know. I think he did. I don't know. I think he's hiding stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, when we see him at the expo, uh, we can. We'll have to have a conversation. Yeah. Well. We'll we'll persuade him, you know. Okay. Sorry. I've been watching I just some, of those, get... some of those movies with advanced interrogation techniques lately, so we can get Mike to talk. That won't be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So two two big topics here tonight, Colin. We don't really have a lot of news. I mean, there is news. Northwestern fired uh, head coach Pat, head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, a, a lot of hazing allegations that seem to have been substantiated uh, across a number of former players and staff. We don't really need to get into that too much. I don't think it impacts anything about a campus to Canton league. Really the only thing that it impacts yeah. is that at least for the past couple of days, and I'm sure the books have taken it down the under on Northwestern's um, uh, uh, win total uh, three and a half was actually, you know, pretty solid odds. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of us hit that in the discord. <laughs> um, but uh, I, 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 that doesn't really have any bearing. We there's nobody on that team that I think we're super interested in beyond maybe very very low end roster stash guy like Cam Porter running back there. Um, and then I think the only really other piece of news column that I actually just want to mention and I'm going to cover it later here is that Deuce Robinson hasn't yet to be drafted in in the MLB oh, draft. Mm-hmm. The first two days were through ten rounds, and we were worried. Again, the uh, Deuce Robinson, the the true freshman tight end going to USC, that. Um, Kind of like Lonnie White a couple years ago, where he wasn't really thought of as a top 50, 60, 80 kind of guy. But if a team really wanted to sign him, they were going to overdraft him to pay them a little bit more. So we were, we were just wondering if that might happen with Deuce. But he hasn't been selected yet, so it sounds like we're going to get at least three years of football, hopefully, out of him there. So that that's good news for Deuce Robinson owners. I'm, I'm sure you're feeling pretty good. Today, we're going to talk about him, like I said, a little bit later when we hit the freshman profiles. We have two big topics for tonight, Colin. And the first one, I posed this question earlier. And then, coincidentally, somebody go, goes and asks about it on Twitter. So I think this is perfect for players that we have done a 180 on. And so we're going to talk about players this offseason that we've actually gotten higher on as the offseason gone on and players that we've gotten a little bit lower on as the season has gone on. And we broke them into three categories here, high-value players. And for high-value players, I mean, a 180 could just mean a handful of spots, really. You, yeah, know, right. you, you might not be yeah. moving them 40, 50, 60 spots. Middle value, so guys that that you know weren't elite assets and maybe even really a step outside of the, that next tier two, uh, but guys that we've moved up or down there. And then low value, guys that were last... 10 to 15 round kind of guys in a startup there, there may be um, late supplemental guys or guys that you kind of were thinking about cutting and uh, to, to prepare for drafts this year, but uh, didn't get around to it. So let's hop right into these here, Colin a high value. I think we actually uh, have some interesting names here. We cho- each chose one player that has increased and one that's de- decreased in this arena. Um, 
uh, Colin, who you pick, pick one of your names up or down. Do you want to start with the good news or the bad news? Are you, are you a, which one of those do you generally like? If someone says, should I start with the good news or the bad news? Mm, that's a tough one. I, I kind of depends on the person. Um, you know, like you have to kind of read that person and, and judge whether like what, if what's I, this, what I are the types you, of news? If I asked you, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Which would you tell me? Oh, I'm starting with the bad news with you first. Okay. Then start with the bad news. Your, your right. player stock down. Uh, my player stock down is a guy we talked about a couple times. It's Will Shipley running back for Clemson. Um, he was a, he was pretty high for me. Um, you know, heading into the off season, he was like fringe top 10, um, probably like RB eight ish. Uh, and then, you know, he moved to the freshman in. So I moved Baxter ahead of him. I moved, um, justice Haynes ahead of him going to Alabama Baxter went to Texas, Roger Robinson. I moved ahead of him, Georgia. And then he just kind of kept falling for me. Uh, he's now at my RB 15. So not super low. But, you know, definitely a tumble down my rankings. He's fallen about, you know, double his, his, his spot there. And I think a lot of it has to do with him not taking a step forward as a runner between the tackles. Um, I saw, you know, when we watched him coming out as a freshman, that was definitely a problem. He bounced everything outside, could not run between the tackles. I wrote him up for the Debbie guide and after his freshman year. And I thought that there was a step in that direction. You know, he still bounced outside too often, but there were times where I had saw him, you know, make the right read, cut it upfield. And I think last year it, it just kind of is more of the same. You know, I, I was projecting a step forward this year where he continually gets better running between the tackles and that has not happened. Um, so he's mostly an outside runner. He's listed at 205. So he's decently sized uh I think his his best role the next level is going to be as a change of pace third down back. And that's caused him to tumble down because I don't see him being a guy who could be like a 1A in a backfield anymore. You're still, I mean, reasonably high on him. Would you say RB15? Is that what you said? Yeah, RB15. Yeah, it's still higher than I have him by quite a few spots, actually. Um how, how over over what period of time has this shift taken place? Because my drop with him happened in like April, and then I haven't looked at him mm -hmm. at all since then, really. Um, I probably well, I dropped him a little bit when the fresh when I added the freshman, uh, and then I kind of kept dropping him a little bit more and a little bit more. I would say like um, post Devi guide, so like May, like mid May is probably when I solidified him around like fifteen there. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Should I start with the good news or the bad news? Well, I started bad. So why don't you go good? We'll do good okay. cop, bad cop. Good, good cop, bad, bad cop. cop. I prefer bad, bad cop, cop, bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought we were doing bad cop, bad cop. <laughs> uh, okay. Player that I moved down. Yeah. So this is actually even a smaller shift uh, than, than you did. And I hate to call it a 180 because, again, I don't think it was a 180. It's maybe a, I don't know. A one 120 degree turn. It wasn't it wasn't the whole the whole <laughs> way around here. Um I, I'm I I don't think I can pull my see myself ever pulling the trigger on Barry and Brown at his current cost mm. anymore. And I think a lot of the times when you're thinking about some of these players, we really like the cost one year and then something happens usually positively, and then 
we don't literally like the cost so much the following year. And I think there's a couple guys that are like that uh, hanging around this year. You know, a guy like Malik Neighbors, he was he was much easier to stomach last yeah. year before he was a borderline top 10 receiver. And I just, that's so gross. Um, but Brown was my wide receiver two in last year's class, I believe. I had him right behind Luther Burden, a guy that I... Um, really was all about i mean he's six what's well, not to like he's he's the best return guy in college basically the minute he steps foot on campus he showed a little more as a wide receiver than i thought he would last year and he's got pretty good size he's skinny he's like 166 pounds but he is six foot six foot one so he's i think not, it's a legit six foot six foot one. Oh yeah he I, I i don't have any doubt that he's at least six feet tall uh he, he might not be six one but I, I i don't have any doubt he's not like one of these guys that's like five eight actually so yeah. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of those things about him. My problem with him is that I just look at the, I look at a couple of different things. I look at the situation at Kentucky. I do think they're going to be a better pass offense this year. They bring in their former offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, who left for a year. They became a dumpster fire. And now he's back again. New quarterback who I actually think if I had to pick a quarterback to showcase my wide receivers in college, I would straight up take Devin Leary over will levis any day of the week and quite frankly i think devin leary might be a better player than will levis but i get why nfl teams loved will levis because he's got the cannon arm and he's big and uh he looks like a franchise quarterback and all that kind of crap but brown for me this off like i just i want i've gone back and i've watched a little bit of him and like i said i think he was a little further along than what i expected him to be but we look at some of the other wide receivers in this class that are almost equally as athletic and very similarly sized, actually a little bit thicker and close to similar in height, playing at programs that I think we trust the pass offense a little more this year. You guys like Antonio Williams at Clemson, guys like Evan Stewart at Texas A&M, even, even Burton, you know, I, I don't know what, what people think of him, but I think he's going to get force fed there at Mizzou this year. And I just can't talk myself into Barry and Brown over any of those guys. And I do think if Brown has another raw year, he stops getting some of the benefit of the doubt. We've seen that happen before. So I've moved him. I believe he was my wide receiver four or five entering the offseason. And now he's my wide receiver eight overall in my C2C rankings. I've got a couple freshmen over him just because, again, I think those guys probably insulated value a little bit more. Jonte Cook, Carnell Tate, both above him. And then I have Zach Branch directly behind him. I still really like the guy. I just think it was a lot easier last year to pull the trigger on Barry and Brown in a supplemental draft and like round three in a startup, like round, I don't even know. It was probably around 10, eight to 10. And now you have to take them in round three. I just don't really love paying that cost there. I think there are other guys that I think are a little more projectable in that range. So he's a guy where I, th- I, I think he loses a little bit of value this year, almost honestly, kind of like Xavier Worthy did last year. Where I think he, was a little too expensive going into last offseason, and we saw some flaws with him. He didn't really develop into those some of those other wide receiver skills. I could see Brown doing something similar this year. Yeah, I completely agree with Brown being overvalued right now. I have him as my wide receiver twelve. Um, you know, I have okay, all that's of those. Expensive. <laughs> I'm twe- um, I'm tweeting him right now. Um, I have all of the. Like the, like the big five freshman wide receivers ahead of him, um, Jonte Cook, Carnell Tate, Zachariah Branch, Makai Lemon, Brandon Ennis. Um, and then I have Xavier Worthy ahead of him still too. 
Do you, um, do you think if I tweeted at Barry and Brown and said at C2C Decker thinks that you're the 11th best receiver or 12th best receiver in college football, what do you think his response would be like, oh, sweet, thanks? Or it'd be like, man, I'm top three. Wh- which response do you think you would get out of him if you mm-hmm. sent that to him? That's interesting. I feel like wide receiver, if you had said that about a running back, I think you might get a, oh, thank you. Hashtag um, Yeah, but if you say that about a wide receiver, I feel like they all think they're like the number one wide receiver out there. So I think he would be upset about that. When realistically, how many people out there outside of like the C2C world are talking about Barry and Brown being this good? I mean, there were people who were trashing Will Levis's weapons last year and saying that was the reason he was so bad. Where Barry and Brown, Dane Key, even Tavian Robinson, they, they're solid players. And I well, think Barry and Brown is a good player. Well, then I'm glad that you think that because I just tweeted at him. So we'll good. see what he says. Good. Um, no, I. <laughs> it wouldn't be. <laughs> nah, that's all right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that he. I, the Xavier Worthy comparison, I think, is very apt. Um, I think he's a little overhyped right now. But I still think he's a very good wide receiver. He's probably just more of a 1B in the NFL level is kind of what I'm seeing him as maybe a little bit more. And some of the stuff when you're talking about it, there are reasons to justify. But I think some of it's a gut feel too. Yeah. Like you just, you you look at a player and you just, you're kind of sitting there on the clock and they're the top guy in your rankings. And you're like, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. And that's, I have, so I haven't done any startups this off season. Um, that was pretty much my goal. So you may, you, it sounds like it, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you may have suckered me into a home league. Well, I definitely um, suckered you in. That's it's set up. Um, I just have to send out the invites and everything. But but yeah, my I no startups. I I, I cut some leagues this off season. So um, I I haven't like sat there on the clock, but I had done some mocks and just generally seen trade offers and things. And I just I never think as highly of the brown side as I want to or as I think I should. And I actually moved Barry and Brown in a deal this offseason. It was a big like college for NFL deal. Essentially, I picked mm-hmm. up Dak and George Kittle for like Stroud, um, Brown. And then there was a, another piece too, I think. Uh, not a huge one on the college side, but a, another piece there that that kind of balanced it out. So, um, And I was very comfortable doing that. I, I, I didn't really, it was one of those where like, you, again, you think you should think twice, and you're like, "Nah, I'm cool with that." I, I think that button, man. You know, not even that worried. Not even that worried about it. So, um, we'll we'll see, we'll see. But I, I mean, I still like the kid a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more about the price right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, uh, who's yeah? I mean, give, give us your guy that the price is right right now. Not price, the price is, is wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's necessarily that the price is right. I feel like he's adequately priced. I am just kind of catching up with everybody else on him uh, and that's tetaroya mcmillan tetaroya mcmillan we just arizona. Call him tet around here colin tet tet mcmillan wide receiver at arizona he's my wide receiver 13 now he was down in like the mid to low 20s before and i think that most of that was just due to kind of where i had him when he was coming out like i thought he would step in and be a nice college player didn't know if I really saw much of an NFL future there. Uh, I He definitely outperformed expectations last year. And especially with Dorian Singer leaving, I think he's in line for a great year statistically at the college level. So that helps too. But 
I mean, he's got the athleticism. He's got the size. He's going to have production immediately. He's got the recruiting pedigree too. He has a lot of things working in his favor. He still has to clean up the technical side of his game. I think he was a little bit more of a jump ball wide receiver last year. Um, I, I kind of want to see him work the intermediate area of the field a little bit better. But he showed enough last year that I'm, I'm, I moved him up a good ways. Another part of that too is I don't love the wide receivers after my top 12. Like Barry and Brown is like the last of the wide receivers where that I'm like, I feel good about them. For like an NFL perspective, the other guys have a lot of question marks. But Tet is answering some of those questions and has definitely been one of the biggest climbers for me. I bumped him two or three spots uh, literally live when I had uh, Josh uh, <laughs> yeah, at CFF guys uh, on, on the show. I I do think that there that there is there are people getting a little bit carried away with Ted McMillan. Um, and again, we need to actually, I, I'm going to reach out to this person. We need to have Blake Hampton on the show to hash out some of these things. Cause he said that after Marvin Harrison jr. Recently, he thinks Ted McMillan has the second high, like has the highest upside uh, in all of college football, at the wide receiver wow. position again, after Marvin Harrison jr. Wow. Uh, and I can't interesting. Here's the problem with some of these guys uh, who I love interacting with and think are super smart. I don't know how much of what they're doing is a bit and how much <laughs> of what they're and I like. I just don't know. I just yeah. don't know. So I we need to have him on the show. I need to ask him about I, I need to ask him about that. I need to ask. him. There about you go. We'll bring his, him on to the summer school. Series. Yeah, we'll do a summer school with him. Uh, Jambres Dubar, who he loves that the freshman uh, running back Going at Boise ba- State. Yeah, we need to have him on here and to hash some of these things out because I, I want to hear from the man himself, who, by the way, uh, is now uh, on the astronauts pod with Galileo. So, yeah. Um, so the, the, the man knows his football. Obviously, they're not they're not bringing an idiot on. I just want to hear his thoughts and I want to figure out. If it's a bit, maybe he won't tell, but I, I'm going to use my powers of deduction to try to figure that out because he, he likes them. Uh, where do you have Ted McMillan? Where'd you say? Uh, I have him at 13 right now. Okay. I have him at 11. Not that far off. Okay. I have him ahead of two of those freshman wide receivers that you were talking about earlier. Gotcha. I, I don't know. Maybe I should drop lemon down a little bit. I have lemon at uh, 10 right now. I, I have I've, him at 12. I really like Lemon. I, I am a little worried about him being a year one zero, but that's a conversation we've had I, once or twice before. And we'll do yeah, that. I am too. Yeah. But I really like the player. So it's tough. Yeah. But who's your, who's, who's your uh, stock up? Oh, I think good you, news now. Oh, so, usually I just have bad news. So yeah, uh, that was, I forgot about my, my good news here. I, I've risen Malik Benson up into a reasonable range and I still am probably, I don't want to say too low because I just don't trust a lot of these Juco guys coming up, especially to mm-hmm. make a big jump to a program like Alabama. I have him as wide receiver 20, and I still have him behind some of these guys that like are kind of questionable. Like, I, th- I think Matthew Golden's kind of questionable. I think Adunze is. I think Isaiah Bond is. Uh, Devontae Walker's making a big jump this year to UNC. I have him right behind him. Uh, even Jurion Dickey, I'm still like kind of iffy on. Like I, I like him, and I, I just don't know exactly what his role is year one. 
But I had Benson at 20, and I just think it's because the beat writers around there kept saying like him and Bond were the two best receivers there. And the tricky part is I feel like at the end of the day, only one of them is going to succeed this year, and you kind of have yeah. to pick which one you believe. <laughs> like, I just have a hard time. I, I would be lying if I said I had any sort of real evidence-based argument as to what I think the Alabama wide receiver rotation is going to be this year. It just feels to me like this staff is going to trot out a lot of Ja'Cory Brooks and a lot of Jermaine Burton, even if we think that maybe isn't the best idea and that we kind of want to see what the other guys have there. I just think that coaching staff, like they're blooding in a new quarterback no matter what. And even the most experienced quarterback on the roster, Buckner, has started, what, like two or three games total in his career, and he's been hurt, and he hasn't even – he's played like three games since his sophomore year of high school or whatever. I mean, the guy's the most experienced college quarterback there, him and Noah are possibly tied or, or close to each other in terms of total snaps. So I think they're going to want to put as much experience in other places as possible, which is why I think Haynes probably plays a few fewer snaps than people think in the backfield, unless he's a really good pass blocker. And I still think that remains to be seen. I think we'll see a lot of McClellan because um, I think he can he, he handle a lot of uh, those kind of things and Roy Dell Williams as well. And then a receiver. I just think they're going to keep trotting out to Corey Brooks and Jermaine Burton, and they're going to keep being ineffective. And then I think what's going to happen is people are actually going to blame the quarterback when yeah. in reality it could be the quarterback's fault, but it's, is you know doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is what I that's just like my gut reaction based on what I've watched this offseason and what I've tried to read and pick up from others this offseason that's just my feeling I don't have I can't send you an article that says that's what's going to happen or or what people think is going to happen that's just down in my gut what I think is going to happen there and I think that hurts one of Bond or Benson and you kind of just have to pick which mm. really stinks yeah, I have Bond and Benson 21 and 22. I have Benson ahead of Bond right now, um, but it's it's literally a coin flip for me. Yeah, and I can't even get I, mad at you for that. I mean, it, yeah, I, I have them three spots apart, opposite yeah. direction, like you know, Bond ahead of them. But I yeah, but I, I completely agree with you too that I feel like it's gonna be Bond and or Brooks and Burton. I love how they're all bees too. Benson, yeah. Bond, Brooks, and Burton. What about the killer bees? No one's ever used that nickname. Just all law firms. <laughs> That's kind of sound. Well, the law firms are taking nickname too. Mm-hmm. It's these days I know about Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. That's, that's, that's true. one I person, by you, the way, for anybody who's never heard of. I him. guarantee you, Mike has no. Well, Mike was a Patriots fan, so he might. Yeah, Mike knows Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. That's yeah. true. That's true. He didn't know Andrew Luck, so you never know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you with with Benson. I've been. He is, hasn't been a riser for me because I was always like a little bit higher on, not higher on it, but like I had him up in like the twenties. There are a couple people who have like fallen behind him. Like I moved Keon Coleman down a couple spots. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that CFF production is going to look like this year. So not a huge drop, just knocked down a couple spots. Um, you know, so there's a couple other guys on, on that list too. Travis Hunter, um, I've knocked down a couple of spots. So he's climbed like two or three spots this offseason for me, but it's more like other people have been dropping. As an aside, I think this is college football necessitates these kinds of approaches even more. But if anybody out there follows established the run at all lately, they've been doing a podcast series with uh, Evan Silva, who's one of the main guys there, and then Michael Leone, who's 
one of the other main guys and they Leone's kind of in charge of like data and the like the data based projections and then Silva does his own projections based like on some data but he does a lot of like gut feel stuff so they're past they've done like a huge series about uh rankings and like Silva's gut they're calling it man versus machine and it's it's uh, Silva's <laughs> gut versus Leone's data and they're kind of arguing about uh whose ranking is is more correct on some of these guys for the NFL I think for college it's really it's kind of difficult to take one approach more or less either the man or the machine approach so I think what I really try to do especially at this time of the year once folks like Chris K and the CFF site guys and um, you know, CFB winning edge and some of these these folks that do season long projections kind of start playing around with some of the numbers and what they just historically based on what's happened in the past they think is going to shake out and then kind of combining that with these like flickering shadows of information that sometime <laughs> appear on the wall and you kind of decipher real quick i think this is where there's like some soft edges still if you can find a good way to combine those two into kind of you know a, your own kind of gut feel on a lot of these guys so you might you might be saying well shipley they only have two running backs there he's probably still going to produce this year i don't really care if maybe he's not as effective between the tackles that's what they have freaking you know chonker film off of for well let's <laughs> run him up the pipe and then they'll let shipley do his thing <laughs> Or maybe you're saying, you know, Barry and Brown, what you just said, he actually looked way better than you thought he would last year with a better quarterback, a better offense coordinator. Like, what am I missing here? This actually sounds like a, a, a great thing for him. So I think this is really, you just have to kind of marry these things together and piece how you want to approach a lot of these guys. And it's not, there's like no really right or wrong answer. I don't think at the end of the, I mean, there will be a right or wrong answer at the end of the day, but right now before the season starts, I don't know that there's a, a, a perfect answer either way. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love most about C2C and college football as a whole is like it's just way harder to predict these things. You yeah. know, if if you're if you're good at it, you know, year in, year out, like you can be really good. Um, if you're not good at it, you could struggle. And it's not necessarily any one thing that you can point to. It's just gut, gut feel, kind of knowing the systems, knowing coach speak. Knowing the players, um, knowing your leagues, knowing your leagues, yeah, yeah. There's like you said, a lot of a lot of soft edges out there that you can be had. Let's take a look at some middle value here, Colin. Guys, that like we said, they're they're not top tier, and even I don't think we think that Malik Benson or Will Shipley are top tier players at this point. And they might even be, depending on who you talk to, maybe not really even that tier two. So so kind of those guys after that, mm -hmm. um, but still are rostered and. 99% of leagues who do you, who is, who is that? We'll go good news first this time. Colin, Hit good, news. Your good news, please. Yes. Preach. The good um, news, the good news uh, Brew McCoy wide receiver, Tennessee. Oh, is a guy my. Who's oh climbed. Oh, sorry. That was, that was gut reaction. Sorry. <laughs> There's a guy who's climbed for me. Now. I mean, I had him down in like the eighties uh, coming into the off season. And now I have him at my wide receiver 51. Um, I have him there because I feel good about his college production. Um, I'm, I'm feeling better and better about that. And we just saw Cedric Tillman go. It, it was a second round, right? 
second round, early third? Uh, third round, I think, yeah. Early third, yeah. So when we just saw him go day two, I don't see any reason why Brew McCoy couldn't, if he has a, you know, a big year this year. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. He's a big guy. He's athletic. Um, I, I think the NFL is going to like a lot of those traits. So I've been moving him up a lot. I'm still not at Chris K level of truthers with Drew McCoy, yeah. but you know, maybe, maybe just being around him by osmosis, I'm, I'm starting to become a little bit more of a Drew McCoy truther. Well, um, so I'm he sorry has, to hear he's that. climbed for me. I'm sorry to hear that. I, you said you had, you had him at 81 and I have him at 50 something. I'm at 51. I had him in the eighties before. Okay. I, I still have him at 90. Okay. And this is, is another it... one where you're trying to combine like precedent <laughs> and data and the rest of the <laughs> roster. And you'll hear people talk about this all the time. Like Brew McCoy does not really fit that system at all. I still will hammer on for forever that I don't think Brew McCoy is actually good. I get all um, just shockingly does not belong at like a high power five program at all. And I think I I would rather, even though I think I might have him ranked a couple spots behind him, like I would almost rather have Deontay Thornton because I just think he fits that offense better. I I I think that he's the kind of guy that actually ends up getting the big plays for for a team like Tennessee that is just looking to run guys downfield as much as they possibly can. So I I cannot get behind that one at all. I'm actually shocked that that's your answer. Um, I think there's a better chance that he's like wide receiver 80 this year for college fantasy than he is top 36 or 40. Well, I don't have him top 36. I have 51. So which do you believe is so great, his Debbie value or is his CFF value to, to launch him up that high? I think it's more a CFF value. I'm still not convinced he's a great wide receiver either, but I think the NFL is – you're going to hear buzz – if he has a good year this year, you're going to hear buzz about him uh, this offseason. You're good. There's going to be people out there who are hyping him up. I guarantee it. So it's for people like me who, let's say I have Brew McCoy this year on my CFF team, which, you know, we're going to talk about high roster players. Spoiler alert, I have zero of him. Um, but I have him in one league. <laughs> I have zero of him. But if I had him, I'm hanging on to him. I'm going to ride that CFF production wave which I think is going to be pretty good. I think Squirrel White's going to be in that Jalen Hyatt role, but that's going to, I think, probably be pretty boomer bust. I think Brew McCoy is going to be the type of guy who gets you five, six catches a game for, you know, 60 yards, 70 yards, and a touchdown in there uh, in most games. Probably doesn't have the ceiling that some of the other guys do, but I think he's going to be super consistent. So you said you have him in wide receiver 51. And when I said, I don't think he finishes top 36 or 40, you said, well, I don't have him there. How many Debbie only quote unquote Debbie only or Debbie lean guys do you have in front of him though? Like I can guarantee you do not have as many CFF players ahead of him that you, that would elicit that, that sort of a ranking. That's just what that, that's kind of my thought as you're working well, through this. I'm going to make uh, you drop him as we're talking here. This is, this is my, my voodoo goal here. Well, um, so how many Devi only guys do I have ahead of him? Yeah. Mm. Or freshmen that are not going to do anything this year. There you go. Um, there's a question. I have Hakeem Williams ahead of him. 
No, I have Hakeem Williams at 50, Noah Rogers, 49, Shelton Sampson, 48, Nathan Leacock, 47, which actually that might be a little high for Leacock. I might need to knock him down a couple spots. Um, Cordell Russell at 46. I have Mario Williams at 45. Then I have my CFF guys, um, Devin Voison, Jamari Thrash, Jordan Curley, Justin Lockhart, Tyron Smith, Jamal Banks, Derwin Burgess, Alex, Alex Adams, Josh Cephas. Then we get like, I have Bo Collins and Adam Randall still grouped right next to each other. At, I'm going to add those two to the list just because I don't think they can coexist. So I think that's fair. Uh, I have Adonai Mitchell, 33. I have Mitchell pretty high because I actually think he can do some pretty good things for Texas this year. So I, I think he's a little more than just like a – he's not a zero this year. You know what I mean? Okay. Or like, not – metaphorically like he's not going to sit on your bench and not get you very many like you're you're going to at times probably consider starting ad mitchell you're probably not going to consider starting the other eight names that i have on my list right now so i mean that's getting us to close to 51 and there are definitely some guys higher up that you could say the same exact thing so i think you have them too high i think you have them too high just based on this information that you're giving me right now but um i think well i have him just ahead of decorian clark um antoine wells Oh, I, uh, Antoine Wells is going to go before him in the NFL draft next year. That should have been my guy that I've actually won 80 on. I'm going to add him in here. He's he's a middle value guy. Oh, okay. There we go. Spoilers, everybody. You can. I feel like I should move Antoine Wells up a little bit. Um, I just moved him ahead of Mario Williams. So that's 40. I just moved him up six spots, seven spots. Um, but I have DeCorian Clark, Ashton Hawkins, Terrell Vaughn, Dante Cephas right around there. Which I know I'm way higher than Cephas on Cephas than most people are. I don't think so. Oh, uh, yeah, it's there's two Cephases. Yeah, you're at Penn Dante State. Cephas. You're talking Penn State Cephas. Yes, I have Josh Cephas at uh, 36. Yeah, I have Dante at, at 105. Just uh, I just don't know what that offense is going like, to look like in terms of target distribution. I, I if if there's a wide receiver that is going to be worth owning, it's going to be Cephas. I, I think Cephas is going to get the bulk of the looks there. That's what you Penn state people keep telling me. And I feel like that's probably true, but I'm just not sure. <laughs> I feel like, like I do have him a right now. It's, it's probably, you know, pre- pre- preponderance of the evidence, which means, you know, 51%. Yes. 41, 49%. No, I feel like I'm maybe at like 51 to 55%. Yes. But that's still a lot of percentage that I'm like, I, there is no guarantee there. I just don't love mm-hmm. that. And I'm not sure again how prolific that I, I want to see that offense be pass happy before I'm buying the pass pieces to that offense. But that I, I don't fair. know. I don't know. That's a tough offense to to figure out. So it is. Uh, it is. So I actually I put down two bad news guys. So then I'll shocker. Austin's going negative. Uh I pretty much went all negative here except for Malik Benson through this whole thing. Um <laughs> I have Jalen Daniels down, and this is the final nail in the coffin actually happened this morning. So I'm glad that we're actually having this talk today. So Jalen Daniels, who's at Kansas, not to be confused mm-hmm. with Jaden Daniels, who's at LSU, no relation. I have been wavering on him for a while just by listening to some of the CFF folks, both on this podcast and then BTR is really the other big one that I listen to, Burning the Red Shirt, if you haven't listened to that. Uh, I, I do recommend it. They do a good show every week. Uh, still haven't invited me on, but it's cool. MBD. Um, 
pretty much everybody else around here gets an invite, but not me. Um, not salty. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, and they've all kind of been saying that they they don't expect Daniels to have quite as big of a year as many are projecting, and he missed a few games last year with injury, so he would have statistically had a better year last year than he did. They kind of have two competent QBs there, so um, it, is, uh, we'll see what they do. They ran some two QB stuff last year. They like to run the ball. They don't have a go-to receiving weapon, really. I think Kansas is probably a worse team than they were last year. Yeah. So I think all these things kind of been batting around in my head. And then I um, uh, Lance Zarline, I think, was the one who was doing it at the Athletic today, was releasing some of their preseason draft stuff. And he had Jalen Daniels as like the 25th ranked junior in the class, and which shocked me. And then because that's been part of my Jalen Daniels stuff is I like think he there's potential NFL upside there, you know, day two probably. And then he, they, I didn't realize he's only 5'11". Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, unless that article was just wrong, I thought he was like 6'2". So I don't love that for him. He's a, he's a runner. He's got a nice arm, though. I mean, I, I think all these things. I finally saw that this morning. I was like, I, I don't, I did not know that. I do not like that very much. So I've dropped him down. He was my, right around QB twenty, and I've dropped him down to the high forties now. Uh, mm, actually, okay. forty exactly. Um, behind really that second tier of freshman QBs this year: Childs, Novasad, Rashada, and uh, Sellers. Um, and now I have a bunch of CFF only quote unquote guys in front of him, like uh, Frank Harris. Austin Reed, who they had ranked higher in the article than him. Um, Garrett Nussmeyer, actually. I, I have moved him behind Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, I've even moved him behind Spencer Rattler. So I, I'm I'm a little concerned there with him that I'm he's not going to be the CFF option that I initially thought he might be this offseason. And then if you're telling me he's not potentially going to be the draft prospect I thought he was going to be either, then that's pretty concerning. So Daniels, I mean, I... I, I CJ Donaldson down too, but I can talk about that in a second. Do you have anything on, on Daniels? Where do you have him ranked? Uh, I have him as my QB 38. Okay, so we're, we're really, really close. I, maybe mm-hmm. I was just too high on him. Uh, I have him lumped right there with Michael Pratt, Will Howard, Daquan Finn, um, Carson Beck. I have those I have guys. Pratt kind of high, and I'm going to keep him there. I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to have a good year. I don't, know. I don't know. I think he is too. I think he is too. Um, As we say all the time on the show, we are not CFF experts. We go to the people who are experts and we Mm -hmm. take their information, what we know about C2C, and we combine the two. And that's how these things work. But we're not out here just giving blanket CFF information. So I'm trusting these people know what they're talking about. They seem to think Pratt's going to have a good year. So I think Pratt's going to have a good year. And I think there's some NFL draft potential there. Yeah. Yeah. I I have him. Yeah. I think he's going to have a nice year. Um, But yeah. So. My stock oh, you down. Don't, you, don't, you don't want to hear about Donaldson down either? I can just tell you real quick. Oh, sure. Yeah, go I ahead. think West Virginia you, is going to stink. Quite yeah. frankly, I think West Virginia is going to stink. And I think teams are going to be a little wiser to Donaldson this year. I do not think he's a weekly starter. There might be a two or three weeks where you want to start CJ Donaldson, and that's going to be it. He gashed Pitt last year on like eight carries. They play Pitt week one. Guess who's not, or maybe week zero or Penn State uh, plays them week one maybe no, they get them week, week two. two I thought 
It doesn't matter. It's one of the first two games of the season. Um, I, I can guarantee that Pitt's going to be keying in on Donaldson the whole game because they, who's, who's, it's Garrett Green behind center, who I actually think is a more intriguing option to roster at this point, especially at cost than Donaldson because they're going to be down all the time this year. And Garrett Green, they're, he, he's just going to scramble. And I believe it was Chris K that I listened to the other day on a pod who, said he's basically baby Bo Nix. And I thought that was hilarious and really <laughs> apt and very, very true. So I, what if it's Donaldson's going to have, he's going to have like f- four yards per carry this year, which is sounds cool for the NFL, but college, like a good, a good back is like six, seven yards per carry. Like he, he's, he's not going to be anywhere close to that because the team's going to stink. Yeah. Um, Penn state does get them week one. So your face. Uh, hmm. And then, then Pitt gets them week three. They get Duquesne in the middle there. Oh, that's so they're doing their they're doing their Pennsylvania tour. <laughs> you want to know Duque- something? Duquesne right is that what it was? Is that what it was? <laughs> I I could see West Virginia losing to Duquesne. Whoa! I could see West Virginia. That's your Western Duquesne. PA bias. I don't. Th- I think West Virginia is going to be bad, man. I put money on Penn State to beat them. By that like, might a- be that might be West Virginia's only win, honestly, because they get. They'll Texas, fumble through a couple Texas of Tech, TCU, Houston, Oklahoma State, UCF, maybe BYU, um, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Baylor. It's not they might start, they'll steal like three wins or four wins this year, but like I don't I would not feel good taking them in any and picking them in any contest. Maybe if they're a big dog and I take, you know, I just take the points, but I <laughs> I, I I think they're gonna be significantly worse than people think this year. And I think they're going to be a, bad. Yeah. It's a it's a basically a, a dead man walking a head coach. When when was the last time that ever worked? Yeah, it never ever works. It that is teams crater immediately, and everyone's like, "Wow, I, who could have seen this coming?" It's like, <laughs> everybody, everybody. This dude should have been fired, and he maybe he gets to keep his job now because Bob Huggins is trying to sue them into oblivion. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. And know. they can't afford a buyout, <laughs> so they already couldn't afford the Neil Brown buyout. Hence why he's there for another year. Um, all right, so then my my stock down uh, is Dane Key. So you went Barry and Brown. I went Dane Key. I think I had Dane Key up in like the mid forties. Um, dropped him, it, like high, like like low forties. Like I think it was. I think I had him around like forty one, forty two. He's down around um, fifty six for me right now. Wow. Okay. Um, I you have just him for the CFF options. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's basically it's more or less what it has been. Like, um, I slotted in those incoming freshmen, Cordell Russell, um, Hiking Williams, Shelton Sampson, slotted a bunch of high CFF guys ahead of him, DeCorian Clark, Ashton Hawkins, Terrell Vaughn, um, J- um, Jamari Thrash, Jordan Curley, Justin Lockhart, all guys that just kind of jumped him. But I, I think he's just going to be perennially be a complimentary wide receiver it's not necessarily a bad thing but he's always going to be the second fiddle he's going to be the second fiddle this year to barry and brown i think he's it's going to be a second fiddle type guy at the nfl level so i think he's just a guy who's going to have more real life football value than fantasy football value so i've dropped him a little bit could he be a mike williams um yeah i could see that uh potentially being a mike williams type guy mike williams is the top 
10 draft picks. So let's exclude the draft cap for a second. Yes, just like yeah. the, the career the per- of Mike Williams. The player was a perennial, you know, mid wide receiver too when he was healthy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's his ceiling. You know, does he hit that ceiling? We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just going to be a second fill type of a guy. So I've dropped him a little bit. And it's not a bad thing. Like, I think he has some value. I think he has going to have some startable weeks for you at the college level. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to predict, but I think he'll have some startable weeks. I think he's going to get drafted in the NFL. He'll be like a fringe day two, day three type of a guy. Um, he'll land on an NFL roster. So that definitely has value. I just think I was a little high on him before. But you seem to think I dropped him too far. Where do you have it? Every offseason, I think there's a handful of players that any ranker will tell you, and it's, it probably varies by the ranker, just kind of hedges based on public perception and ADP. And quite frankly, if you're sitting in a draft where you think you can get them first, where you should have them ranked. And you, you don't you don't really want to have a guy ranked so stupidly far ahead of ADP or super far behind it that it's really glaring you know oh like there's i know i, I don't know care. you i've i, I play in a lot of leagues with you and we don't have to have this discussion again um <laughs> doesn't seem to be working out too well for you um uh, <laughs> this home league will be a new chance call and a bunch of suckers for you to whoop up on so I expect- hey we were just talking in the slack today that league that i'm in with felix and a lot of other heavy hitters i'm not gonna name all of them I finished, in, I finished in second hmm. i should have won but I finished in second. Okay. That was after turning around that team that I took over. That was an absolute dumpster fire. I actually remember that team. So I, 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 I will applaud you. Um, Thank you. Well, there's only at least 10 heavy hitters because Felix is in it too. So that's a fair point. That's a track. No, I just, I'm just giving people hard times here. Um, And then who would the other one be? He said 10. You count tossing me out of that. Well, you don't play against yourself. I mean, you do every oh, week. Okay. But like, you know, really, that's a good point. That's... You're not competing. <laughs> Your team is not competing against another year. Fair point. So, fair point. Um, but I, I can't, Key is one of those guys issue that I think I'm, I'm hedging on my ranking with him a little bit. I have him at wide receiver 28. And I actually okay. have him just above where I start kicking into the guys that I think are probably purely CFF, quote unquote, you know, Rasheed Rice happens every year, Sky Moore, you know, guys like that. Um, because I do think there there are some pretty good tools there. And again, I think that offense will be a little bit better this year. So, and I think his job is pretty secure there. So I, all those things together, he had some good underlying numbers last year. And those guys, some of them I like every year, some of them I don't. He's, he's a guy that I'm really not that convinced by. Um, I actually think he's probably closer to like a Bo Collins uh, year two where people were kind of expecting the big second year and then you don't really get it. And I think that's kind of what thing key is going to be, but I still have him again at 28, just because I think there's no reason to, to pit all those CFF guys against him. And I think in a real draft, if you're wanting one or the other, you don't have to choose one. Like you can just take key and then probably snag still a couple of those CFF guys and be fine. So that's, that's just why I have him above my, I think it's more of a, um, not necessarily roster construction, but just kind of a strategic. What would I be doing if I was on a clock in any given situation? Okay, that's fair. But I don't think, I mean, I don't think having some of these CFF guys over him. And if there was a team that I wanted to make a big push with week four, I probably would trade Dane Key for a CFF guy and a pick. 
if I needed the fuel. And he, I mean, I, assuming that he's not on pace for a thousand yards, which I, right. I think neither of us yeah. would 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 uh, think is possible. So um, the only other guy that I put Antoine Wells, who as we were sitting here on the stock up, he's moved <laughs> up about twenty spots for me. Um, eh, that's a good pick. Fifteen. He's, pro- he's probably moved up about twenty for me. I think that's a fair. The only person that loved him last year was Chris Moxley, and he's always just all over the South Carolina guys because he's a South Carolina fan. So I I don't like projecting an FCS guy up to an F to at the SEC. So maybe there's Malik Benson again this year. Um, but I think it's a much more crowded wide receiver room than South yeah. Carolina was last year. No offense to Gamecock fans out there, um, where Wells had a little more time to get acclimated there. So I uh, I, I like Wells. I have him thirty nine. I have him bunched in with guys like Malachi Coleman at Nebraska, Jeremy Bernard, Adam Randall, um, my elite CFF guys, Squirrel White, Malachi Corley, Tory Horton are all there. Um, that's kind of the range that I have him in. I think I, I, I Jeremy Bernard pretty high. Oh, I'm I'm my guy, Jeremy Bernard in the guy. Remember? <laughs> I know, but that's still even higher than I was expecting. Like I have him at sixty six. So you know how you're stashing Austin Mack for next year? Because <laughs> I'm stashing Jeremy Bernard because he's going to be the wide receiver one of Washington next year. And if something happens to a Dunesay or McMillan, he's one of the top two guys there pretty uh, immediately. So yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's a lot there's there's more now value than people want to think with Jeremy Bernard, and there's a lot of future value, and he's already not a year one zero. So all right, you, um, you talked me into it. I moved him up a couple spots. Yeah, I'm I'm high on Bernard. I I know I'm the the high guy, and you guys somehow made me the high guy on a Marion Hampton and that guy too. And that is guy that I don't even <laughs> like at all. But I had to my guy him up to into decent territory. So, um, you guys suck there. Low value players. I think we both went the same direction with this one. Yeah. It's looking like uh, freshman QBs that were kind of low end tier two kind of guys, where. You're wondering how is the depth chart going to shake out or what's the team going to look like. And I think we both like these situations less than we did a few months ago, right? Yeah, my guys, uh, my low value, I just put a stock down. I didn't put a stock up on this one. My low value stock down, Lincoln Kineholtz, quarterback, freshman quarterback going to Ohio State. Uh, he's like, I like the talent. I think there's there's some good potential there. But going to Ohio State, I think it's going to be a really crowded room for him. I mean... So best case scenario for him, there's, there's one path for him, one path. And that's Kyle McCord plays really well and gets drafted. Uh, and Devin Brown decides to leave. I don't know why he would decide to leave in that situation, but let's say he decides to leave. Then Lincoln Kineholtz probably becomes a starter. And, and I think that's about it because if Kyle McCord stays, Kyle McCord's going to be a starter. If Kyle McCord leaves and Devin Brown stays, Brown will be the starter. They have Aaron Nolan coming in behind him, who I have not watched Aaron Nolan yet, but it seems like they're pretty high on him. It seems like he kind of fits their system. So at at best, there's a competition between those two. I just think he's a talented quarterback who is at a school that is just going to continue to recruit over him and there's just going to be better players. I think he's going to have to transfer. The so Penn I was State, higher on him in yeah. the offseason, earlier in the offseason, I've dropped him. The, the Ohio State guys have made it at quarterback a little more difficult. I think common sense really told us prior to what these guys have done the past couple of years and, and really McCord uh, set the tone for this, I think, is that a borderline five-star quarterback is not going to sit and wait two years at one school. Yeah if they don't win the 
the battle that is shaping up going into their second year, then they leave. That's generally been what yeah. happens and they transfer half a step down or a full step down and take the job there. I, so that, uh, that's kind of what tripped me up on Devin Brown with his value last year. As I was saying, you know, I, it wasn't that I necessarily, I, I do think he's a better player than Kyle McCord, but it wasn't so much that I was just like, this dude just flat out going to beat Kyle McCord in a competition. It was just that Kyle McCord's not going to be foolish enough to sit there for multiple years and do nothing. And, but he did, but he did. <laughs> so now I'm sitting here going, well, shit out what's gonna happen with Devin brown and then the guys behind him like are they all gonna sit there two years like does this mean like i'm hanging on to brown where i've got him at this point oh absolutely and i think if somebody's getting antsy you can acquire them the the way to do that is to get him as a throw-in in in a deal you don't just call up the Devin brown manager because that just looks sketchy um but yeah i think it just makes guys like keinholz really difficult to predict and project yeah yeah it it really does and I have I have taken Lincoln Keinholz in I think two supplemental drafts so far because he has just fallen and fallen and fallen. I think the one I got him in like the eighth round. Uh I think I got him in like the eighth round, ninth round, maybe even later than that. So I I, just... I personally would not touch Lincoln Keinholz in a supplemental right now, but that's just it's me based on usually how I structure my rosters. I, I You can't talk me into it at this point. It's really just taking a stab that late at the Ohio State quarterback. And if it doesn't work for him, I'm hoping he transfers out and I can find value somewhere else. I, in a similar note, put Sam Levitt, similar but different. I just think Michigan State looks awful. I don't want to invest anything in any players there right now at all. Uh, zero interest. No idea what Noah Kim's going to look like. No idea what even if Noah Kim stinks, yeah. Do they go to Levitt? Do they go to? I don't. I don't think Katnahauser is better. Um, but are they going to give the keys to a true freshman there? I kind of doubt it. Um, what is he throwing to? Nothing. Um, I I don't really know. So I just I I, I like the talent a lot, and if he would transfer, then that would be really really cool. But I can't in good conscience take a guy saying he might transfer that just it's, again just not not really how i want to kind of structure my rosters and no and I, decisions in an off season yeah no, no no i i totally get that um like i said i i've taken him in like two places because he just kept falling and falling and falling and i was finally like well you know let me take a shot on him um for Keinholz and, and levitt has kind of been the same way i think levitt's kind of been falling too um, I, I'm currently in two supplemental drafts and he, he's still on the board and I think they're in like the fifth or sixth round for both of them. So he's just kind of been falling as well. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't even been tempted to take him. I've had him in queues sitting there for forever. He's in the green room and <laughs> I'm just, you're rude. He's Aaron Rodgers, man. I just, I'm not taking him. Sits there and gets madder and madder. Yeah, no interest, no interest at all. All right, we're going to talk about the players that we have most rostered in our leagues. But before we do that, guys, go over. Yeah, we're we're burying the housekeeping in here. It's like when you hide veggies in your kids' food so that they'll eat them. Check out campuscanton.com. <laughs> I'd bet your mom. You probably sniffed it out a mile away. Um, my mom didn't eat veggies, so that so she wasn't her that did that. It was my dad. Okay, 
Right, fair enough. But I did sniff it out. I always do. <laughs> Check out campuscant.com. A uh, ton of articles hopping up on there right now. And I think with the season getting so close, rankings are really starting to get drilled down. Um, so go check out everything over there. Check out the YouTube channel as well. The CFF guide is now available. That launched on the 1st. So go ahead and get your copy today. $20. Where if you are a yearly NIL member, you get it with your membership. And if you are a yearly scholarship or grandfather member, you get one free guide. If you haven't downloaded one yet, you can go ahead and do that with the CFF guide. It's awesome. I downloaded it on my phone so that I could read through it when I was uh, on the beach or not on the beach, like on, on the lake last week and sitting by the water. And uh, it's got a lot of really, really cool uh, information, including stuff that I think is really helpful, like uh, easiest schedules and easiest playoff schedules and most, you know, most difficult schedules, stuff that is kind of really getting into the weeds but can really make a difference for you when you get to week yeah. 11 and all your guys are playing, all you have a bunch of, you know, power five guys in the sec playing tough defenses. So um, a lot of really helpful stuff in there. And then of course, guys, our promo code campus to Canton over with home field apparel. Um, I, I actually am beefing a little bit with home field apparel right now, Colin. Uh-oh. I'm actually beefing a little bit with Uh-oh. home field apparel. Why Here's why. I have a Pittsburgh address. That's obviously, you know, when I, when I punch uh, my stuff in, I just got a mystery box from them. And every time I click the thing, I'm like, just no Penn state, please. Dear God, no Penn state. Uh, and they didn't send me Penn state. They sent me West Virginia. They sent me West Virginia shirt. So, um, new, and it's an ugly, it's an ugly West Virginia. It's not even too. a cool West Virginia. Like if it had like a really old school, like mountaineer pickaxe guy, I'd be like, okay, like whatever. That's kind of cool looking. Yeah, it's just big WVU and like block letters with some really shitty shading that like a seventh grade girl would doodle in her notebook. It looks so bad. It's not their fault. Like it's like a classic WVU logo. It is. It's not their fault at all. They they made a classic shirt based on it. But I hate it. So I'm beefing with them right now. But they have a ton of other great shirts that I was hoping for. Do I go back and try again? <laughs> I feel like I they think got so. no purpose. Now I got to go back and get. You got it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they just, re- they just released some it- cool some cool actually they just released some penn state stuff that looked really good yeah and i would never buy it in a million years but i know they released it like they announced they were going to release it like right after i bought my shirt so i guess so i gotta create a new email that, address new email address yeah yeah so get you 50 percent off um and we actually um are doing the giveaways this week so for anybody that entered ah, bought some okay. stuff off home field last week now that i'm back from vacation uh we'll be taking care of that so stay tuned for that that's it on housekeeping. Veggies are eaten. Let's get into the players that we have most get into the dessert. Is this dessert your most rostered players? Too much, too much dessert's a bad thing, Colin. Mm, We're gonna that's find a that good out point. here. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um so yeah, I mean let's let's do this. Okay. Um you wrote down one, six names. I wrote a bunch of names. I um, so you before that you before the show you're like a lot of these are so on brand for me. I was like I've literally never heard you talk about like three of these players. Don't even go there. You know, Austin Reed is okay, on Austin, brand for you. Austin Reed is not on brand. Austin Reed is one that like it's it's like pretty much all of the other guys are on brand. Okay. Um, yeah. T.J. Harden I put on the list too. Tamori and Harden. Yeah, I wouldn't um, say he's on brand for you. He's not that's, on brand for me. Mike's I have. Brand. Well, first of all, Mike doesn't get to just co-opt to Morian Harden. I was I picked him up at the end of 
last year. So what league? I picked him up in the Camps to Canton one that we I know that that's the name of the league. That's the one that Brock runs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked him up. I'm pretty sure it's the Toonland one. I think that's the one that I picked him up at the end of last year. And so they're the deep ones. They're like 20 team or 24 teamers. Mm-hmm. So I was scooping them up at the end of last year. Do you have them in the C2C versus NIL league? I do not. I'm pretty sure Corey does. That's you would think, oh no, actually Mike might've had, that might've been like the one good player that Mike gave the justice who took his team over. I felt so bad for justice. That was, uh, but anyway, stepping aside. Um, yeah. Austin Reed, TJ Harden. Those aren't really like the on-brand ones. Elijah Badger, Jalen McMillan. I have each of them in If I want to actually talk about, yeah, um, pick pick one and tell us why why they're your most rostered player, Colin. The ones that I want to talk about here, I'm going to start with Gunnar Stockton, who I have in I have him in four leagues. Um, so with Gunnar Stockton, it's kind of a cautionary tale of overdrafting some of these tier two freshman quarterbacks. Uh, you know, guys like Sam Levitt, guys like Lincoln Kineholtz. You know, it, just because they're falling to a point where they're an absolute value doesn't mean you have to scoop them up every time. You know, sometimes you can just kind of let them keep going. And Gunnar Stockton was a guy who kept falling last year. And I was like, I like his talent. I think he's got a high ceiling. He's going to Georgia. I didn't really think that highly of Brock Vandergriff. I knew he was going to be nothing. I didn't really think that highly of Carson Beck. But it looks like Beck's going to end up beating him out. I was also not expecting him to get Dylan Rayola. But Gunnar Stockton is just in that situation now where he's in like no man's land. Like he has to transfer out. Uh, I'm still holding him. But if mid-year I need a cut and I don't have any other cuts, I wouldn't be heartbroken cutting him. I'm not advertising. I'm not saying cut him. But we're getting into that territory. I, I would cut him if I had him anywhere. I, I might have him one or two deep leagues, like you said, but but nothing big. Um, just because I don't... He's the kind of guy where if I'm deciding on that last cut, I'm like, does the situation get any better this year if I need to make a midseason cut? And he's just one of those guys I'm like, I don't see the situation getting any better. I, is he the next no, guy up after Beck if, if Beck were to go down, do you think? Or him to go with... I don't... Probably. Jared swears by Vandegrift, man, but I don't think you can put Vandegrift in a, in a real game. I... I both think, of them have serious flaws. I think Stockton's better than Vandegrift. I was 100% out on Vandegrift. There's some things I like about Stockton. Stockton uh, just kind of looks like a deer in the headlights, which I think would be concerning. That's my biggest concern with him, but I think he's very athletic. Uh, I think he's got a really good arm, too. Uh, he it plays really well outside of structure. It's just inside of structure, like you said. It's a deer in the headlights kind of a situation. Um, but... Yeah, Gunnar Stockton, I have a lot of him. And like I said, it's kind of a cautionary tale of just because a guy keeps falling and falling and it looks like it's a really good value, you don't have to take that value every time. Chris Vizina. All right, that's not that's not a value. <laughs> he, I'm thinking more Lincoln Kineholtz and Sam Levitt. Both guys. Vizina actually fell to the 15th final round of a supplemental that I was doing the other day. And somebody grabbed him. And I actually, it was like, yeah, in the 15th round, I was like, I wasn't even paying attention. He was still on the board. But in the 15th round, yeah, I could probably stomach taking Chris Vizina. I, 
I, I, no, I probably not even. I don't think he's really rosterable. <laughs> I just I don't think he's personally good at all. either. But in a fourteen teamer, it's pretty deep. I I could be persuaded uh, with that fifteen pick, depending on what my other quarterbacks were. Maybe I I I could I could be convinced. Uh, all right, who's who's one of your most rostered players? I have three guys on a ton of rosters, and LaQuinn Allen's not looking so hot at this point. But I was taking him a lot this offseason just because he never seemed to be priority for anybody if, at running back. Um, so I we'll see what happens with his situation at Syracuse there. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, he was potentially suspended for the year for apparently defending himself. Somebody tried to fight him, and he fought them off. So I don't really know what's happening there. Uh, but uh, how about uh, Jonte Cook? I, I'll, I'm walking the walk this offseason. I mean, I'm taking Cook pretty much everywhere that I can in the mid mid first round. I'm so mad. I have not been in a situation where I can grab him. I'm either drafting early or late in all of my leagues. I had multi. I, I had a 16 teamer where I was sitting at five. I took him over some quarterbacks. Ooh. I got him at I'm eight at- in a league. Like I, I got him in some some good spots. I don't think I was ever really reaching for him. I, I was pretty happy with where I was, was getting the value there. I mean, I just think he's the best wide receiver in this class. I, I yeah. good offense. I don't really that much to argue about with him. And I think a supplemental guy every year, it's like my most rostered guys are players from supplementals. It's yeah. I didn't list anybody from supplementals. To like have nine to, to have, to have picked up nine drew Lars this off season. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to happen, um, right. but I can probably pick up nine Jonte cooks. Uh, in fact, I'm trying. So, and him and Alex Adams is another guy that I, he just falls really, really far amongst the CFF only type receivers. I, he'll have a nice year at um, Akron. So those, the, I, those three, I have a lot, like a disproportionate amount of compared to anybody else. I thought we were just going to go one, 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 no, one, one, but no, that's cool. You could just rip, rip off all three of yours. That's fine. You're welcome. Um, so I have two other guys here to talk about still, and I'll. You spelled Tofili's name wrong, and I'm very upset with you. Oh yeah, it's it was auto. I blame autocorrect. Lawrence. Yeah. Um. The fir- first one, Lawrence Tofili, and okay. he's actually my most rostered player. Um. I have him in uh, six leagues, uh, and it's a combination of things. Where one, I was pretty high on him coming out. Uh, and two, he was available last year in some places, so I would snag him pretty late. Like nobody has ever actually gotten on the Lawrence Tofili train. It's been it's been me. I don't even know if his parents are still on it. We um, we both we both liked a, him a lot as as fresh. It's a I, I it, it is a it is a unicycle out here. I am on the the Lawrence Tofili unicycle. Um, but I I think this year he is. The RB2 for Florida State, Treshawn Ward's out. Um, and last year, I mean, he had a he had a decent year last year. 117 total touches, 725 yards, six touchdowns. He had 24 catches. Um, so he's more or less their pass catching back. This, And I think he's going to retain that role. If something happens to Trey Benson, it's a Lawrence Toafili show. Yeah. It's a it's a year stash at this point that is like three years going, but yeah, you don't <laughs> cut him now. <laughs> you made it this far, and then next year he's gonna have that job. Yeah, eventually, eventually, and and he is up. His weight's up a little bit. He's over 190 pounds now. I think he's like 192. Wait, he was below 190. 
Yeah, he was like 185. Was he like 195 coming out of high school? I think it was I thought it was 185. Oh, I thought I thought he was yeah. one mid 190s coming out of high school. I don't remember. Yeah. But a Wildcat quarterback in high school that was always going to play running back in college. Have you watched the kid that they have committed for next year? No, I haven't. It's another it's it's another Wildcat guy. I was like Norvell, dude, he's got a boner over these freaking <laughs> Wildcat quarterback guys that he wants to convert to running back. It's incredible. Like I it's not like there's value there because Cameron Davis, the, the kid in next year's class, is like the RB4. It's like he's mining the the depths of whatever to find these guys. I mean, it's a fairly prominent dude. It's just very, very odd that he seems to really, really like those guys making that transition. I, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I there's, like I said, he's he's a guy he's going way too cheap. I, it, nobody really has him rostered anywhere else. They, the the one other t- player that I, the one other person that has him rostered in another league is like a, as Florida Seminoles fan. Like their team name is Florida Seminoles, so <laughs> that tells you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think he's worth a dart throw. Like I said, if anything happens to Trey Benson, it's him. And I think he, you know, is going to have that pass catching role. I'm probably not ever starting him, but maybe one day. And then the last guy is Trevante Citizen. He's a guy who was pretty high on last year. He was like the last of those tier one running backs that I had last year. It just is really a shame with the injury. Uh, I've dropped him pretty significantly, but I think it's at the point where he is a value. Like I think everybody is off of him. So if you want to try and zig when everybody else is zagging, then, you know, I would might float an offer out there and see if you can't get him as like a throw in into a deal because if he can come back healthy i still really like his talent but yeah it really depends on what the plus or you know what the, what the value is there yeah. on, on on the tossing yeah. man anytime i hear a dude tear his knee and over a year out and we're like we don't know when he's coming back yet it's like oh that's not good especially at a position like running back that he's gonna yeah. be taking a beating like i yeah i don't want to write the guy off because like i guess hypothetically no news could be fine he could show up normal for first fall it's not like their backfield's so loaded anyway i i'm really worried about him i am really really where do you have him ranked right now 40s okay you have him even higher than i do i i have him sitting he's literally the last he's literally the last back i have before i start getting into some of those like good but not great cff backs like samson evans frank gore jr um mm. I, I have laquint allen right there like th- that's the 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 type of back that i have there and i think again taking him would really depend on my roster construction and the value that i'm getting him at if i was in a regular startup draft today yeah yeah i think that's fair um, I just, I have a lot of him from last year and I'm just, I'm kind of trying to hold out some hope. Freshman profiles calling and then we'll go home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, have yours that, picked? you didn't put one down on the sheet, so I didn't, you, you pick, go first. You're, you're, I'll grab you're mine. desperately picking one right now. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how'd I know? So I chose Deuce Robinson. Um, who is still not on fan tracks. He's like the one player that isn't that is not fan tracks. So uh, we're still placeholder in this guy out here. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with him, he was the top tight end 
in this class. And he was, if not the highest rated guy before we adjusted the scores based on uh, positional value in the class, he was top three for sure. Through high school, he was listed at 6'6", two, between 220 and 230, depending on the source that you look at, out of Pinnacle, Arizona. And as we mentioned earlier, was also thought to – he's a he takes baseball pretty seriously. So a lot of us were worried that he would never actually play uh, football at USC. So now that it sounds like he probably will, I think it, you're probably not going to get him at quite the value that you were getting him at a couple of weeks ago. But basically, he's he is – you know, I think calling people the next Kyle Pitts is really stupid. But I think if you're going to talk about any of these guys, I think he is the closest in terms of um, uh, body size and proportions and shape and athletic ability paired with it. Like even a guy like Julio Skinner, who people were saying is the next Kyle Pitts, he was really thin. You can look at him. He still hasn't gotten over, what, 210, 215? Kyle Pitts is 240, 240, 245. I definitely think Deuce can probably get to 240 uh, again as long as he wants to and it doesn't impede his baseball playing. He's going to play baseball in, in college at least. But uh, he's basically that big wide receiver kind of a player. He's really, really smooth, ton of flexibility. I You're not going to really ask him to block, so that's actually, for fantasy stuff, a, a good thing, good catch radius. Um, and really the, the only downside to the baseball and the – need to gain some pounds but like i said i think he has the frame to do it i actually wrote i just pulled up my notes from this past year and i said i think he can probably max out around 245 is what i wrote so um i, I think 240 245 isn't out of the question for him um i they don't really have good tight ends at usc i don't i'm not saying that he's going to start or, or be a major part of the offense but i do think we see him a good bit this year uh he'll get some snaps he'll probably play a little bit in the red zone um i think he's going to be a bit of a matchup nightmare there over the past couple of years. So I think wheels are up on him at this point. I actually have taken him quite a bit. If he was falling to the third round or, or, or late second in a, a deeper league. And now I think he's probably going to shift up, I don't know, four to six spots, at least in ADP uh, and supplementals and in startups. Uh, I don't know where I haven't seen where he's going in startups. Really? Have you? I haven't seen in startups, but supplementals, I, I do typically see him go like late second, early third. That's kind of where he's been hanging out. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's all I've got on Deuce Robinson. I think he's one of the more well-known guys in the class just because of the will he, won't he nature of his, his recruitment and, and everything. But uh, now that we know he's playing football again, that's, that's, uh, that's exciting. Yeah, I think that's big. Big news with the MLB draft, him not getting drafted. I think that signals to him he's probably going to start, you know, focusing on football. Or maybe he plays both at USC, but like focuses on football. Um, and I think that's big. I haven't been taking him anywhere because there's been a risk. And I typically don't take tight ends all that early. Uh, but I wouldn't fault anybody else for at this point in time, now that we know the the MLB draft has come and gone and he's going to be at USC. I think he's like a, a mid to late second round supplemental guy. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Uh, my guy is Caleb Jackson running back at LSU. Uh, he was a four star number 12 in the composites. He's so, you know, he was a fairly highly rated running back, not the highest, but he was up there. 
Um, he had a lot of nice offers, LSU, Alabama, AM. He ends up, he's from Louisiana, goes to LSU. He's between 200 and 210, depending on where you're looking at the recruiting services. So he's got good size. He's got frame that I think he can get up to that 210, 215 and hold it well. Um, and he also has good speed. He was clocked at 21.8 miles per hour by our recruiting team. That speed shows up on tape. You do see him route running defenders. Uh, he's a little bit more of a buildup runner though. Uh, so he does kind of need a little bit more of a lane and he needs to improve his burst and his first step. But I think that's something that he can get to given his, his speed. Um, Jackson has some wiggle to his game too. You know, he can make a guy miss, but he is a little bit more upright uh, and he doesn't always drop his hips real well when he's trying to change direction. Um, and he doesn't really lower his pad level to power through defenders either. He's got good contact balance, bounce off defenders all day. But he's not really going to lower the shoulder and power through guys if they hit him square. Uh, Jackson also has to improve his vision. Uh, he looks to bounce runs outside a little bit too often, so he'll miss some cutback lanes. Uh, he's good in the open field with his vision, but he needs to improve it at the line of scrimmage. Um, he is split out wide as a receiver at times, too. He catches the ball well, so I think he has a three-down skill set. But the biggest question with Jackson is going to be that LSURB room. There were no running backs last year that had over 100 carries and four running backs that had 45 or more carries last year in that room. Uh, they bring in Logan Diggs. So they have Diggs. They have Kane. Uh, they have Josh Williams, who's like a walk-on. They have Amari Goodwin still. It's a crowded backfield, but there's nobody who's a lead. So if Jackson can step up, uh, I think he could seize a role in this backfield. But I think it's more of a year two play because um, I think at that point, Noah Kane will be out of eligibility. I don't really think all that highly of a money good win. So I think it'll be Diggs and Jackson heading into next year. Um, you don't think Diggs leaves? You think he, he's back for round four? I think he will. I don't think he'll leave. Um, you know, I, he I mean, a good I, year? I mean, maybe he does. It's not the strongest of running back classes. It's not the deepest of running back classes, put it that way. So it, potentially, but I don't know if I see. I, I think it's a really crowded backfield, and I think Diggs is going to lead the backfield, but I don't know how much. I don't know by how much. I don't know if he's going to have a good enough year that he will leave. Fair enough. I hope he well, does for of... Jackson's sake. Me too. Um, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Make sure you're checking in with everything over on the podcast feed. Obviously, you're listening to us here. But check out all the other shows there. Chasing the Natty, Back to Debbie, Debbie Debate, Canton Bound, Future Freshman, and, of course, the official um, show, show schedule changes a little bit when the season rolls around, guys. So uh, as we're getting closer there, be on the lookout uh, for some more uh, applicable in-season type content make sure again you're checking out the youtube page and everything over at campus to canton.com um until next time guys i am austin and this is colin and have a good one